May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so we're journeying through this epiphany season, this season of epiphanies, not just the epiphany, just not just the wise men, the magi, the kings, but other things too. Jesus being revealed in the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. Jesus being revealed in the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee, to name but a couple. Last week, if we hadn't transferred the Epiphany to Sunday, we'd have been celebrating the baptism of Christ. If we got away with not doing it, well, no, because today's reading, we're just straight after that. John, before his birth, had recognised who Jesus was. John's own conception being a miracle. We hear allusions about his own calling from before he was born in today's prophecy from Isaiah, the first reading. So before he was born, John recognised Jesus, but also then in adulthood, in the baptism of Christ, he recognised again, he was revealed again. John's response? He told people, look, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah. It wasn't a case, wow, I've had an ex- amazing experience, I'm now going to keep this as some kind of big publicity for me. Look, I'm wonderful because I know this. No, his point. Someone greater than me is coming. His point. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. I'm not the Messiah. He's coming. John is telling people about Jesus. He's he's had this revelation, this epiphany for himself, and then he's sharing it with others. Telling people, that's a strange idea, isn't it? Because sometimes we like telling people about things, you know, sort of a new child on the way, a new job maybe, a win or sometimes a defeat for our football team, and we go telling people. Other things? Faith? Do we like telling people? Well, I'm not sure sometimes, actually. Do we want, worry what they're going to think? In the Church of England, around the time I was ordained, we had Back to Church Sunday. Did we have this, that in Wales? Yes. Yes. We did. Okay, I'm sort of never sure what does and doesn't cross over. The last Sunday in September, if I remember rightly, the challenge was to invite someone to church, to invite someone back to church. Back to church is an interesting idea, isn't it? What does that assume? That they've been in the first place. Come back to church. That says, well, you must have been before. It always clashed with harvest or St Michael's Day in the churches I was in, so it's slightly difficult. How do we combine all these things together? But yeah, back to church Sunday, come back. Well, that makes some assumptions. The Church of England, at least, then changed from back to church Sunday to a season of invitation, taking that same idea, but saying rather this is the day that we do it all, or maybe we'll sort of shift it a few weeks because it works more conveniently. Let's have a series of times throughout the year that we can invite people. Not back to church, just invite full stop. Maybe, maybe harvest, maybe mothering Sunday, maybe Christmas and Easter, maybe other random times that actually work within a particular community of faith. Invite people. 
strange idea, isn't it? Do you want to come to church with me? Well, what will they say? Do they know we go to church? Do they know we're Christians in the first place? Well, if I'm wearing a dog collar, I suppose some things are fairly obvious, but for everyone else, maybe we're afraid of them saying no or feeling stupid for it. I remember when I was at school, someone had moved over and I asked them whether they went to church. No. What I didn't twig was they'd moved over from another country. Actually, they were a Muslim. It didn't occur to me, I have to admit. That's just me. Assumptions for where people are from, therefore what faith they are, well, that doesn't always work. But the whole idea between back to church, behind back to church Sunday and season of invitation was that actually people would be interested in coming. They would be interested in finding out more if only they were asked. Because we make this assumption, well, they wouldn't be interested. They wouldn't want to know. They wouldn't come. They're too busy. I've heard it said in churches before, well, we don't have young people in church, but well, they've got so many other important things they need to do on a Sunday morning. They need to go and play football and rugby. They've got these clubs. They need to go to the tip. They need to visit this, that and the other. They've got all these other important things. How could they possibly be able to come to church? They've got all these other important things like going to tip on a Sunday morning so they couldn't do something that might be life-changing. We devalue ourselves, don't we? We devalue the faith inadvertently by saying they wouldn't be interested, they wouldn't want to come, they've got more important things to do. And so this idea of a season of invitation was actually, let's just actually tell them and invite them. And the research was suggesting that if, we say, not, do you want to go to church, but would you like to come to church with me? I mean, the idea was actually, we, we had little cards, don't know if you remember, and we wrote their name on it and who it was from, and we'd go and not just put it through the door or post it with a stamp on, but actually go and give it to them. A personal invitation. Will you come to church with me on this day? And it won't be a bit weird, because there's going to be other people hopefully coming along as well. Tell people. Invite them. Welcome them. You know, if someone new walks in the door of church, do we just allow them to sort of find where the book service books may or may not be? Find a seat, which may or may not be someone else's seat. One of the benefits worshipping in the church hall at the moment, of course, we can't have the reserved pews we've sat in since the year dot. And then assume they know when to stand up, when to sit down, everything else. You know, sort of get alongside someone who's new. Find the pages in the book for them. Help them where to stand up, where to sit down, when we jump random pages and do strange things they're not expecting. (laughs) Which we all do, don't we? Let's be fair. I'm as guilty as anyone. So we don't feel like a fish out of water. I remember going to a church on holiday. And I arrived, it was a low mass, sorry, low celebration of the Holy Communion in Scotland. It was in a side chapel, working out where in the church it was. There's loads of lovely chapels. I had to find my own order of service. Go and sit down, don't welcome me. Afterwards, well, the priest cleared off to get, uh, get their vestments off. The people wandered off. I didn't speak to anyone, I left. How often I've arrived as a youngish person in church on holiday and, well, are you here to have your bands read, people might say. Because that's the only reason anyone would ever turn up at church. What? No. Let's 
two things, two memories I've got of people told me. One, a new priest arrived in a church and his Sunday before his licensing, he thought he'll go, go along to worship. And he sat, arrived early, he sat down just before worship started. Heard one of those strange, uh, loud whispers you hear in church, you know, the sort of thing. Who's that strange clergyman sat in my seat? That's the new vicar, dear. What a welcome. <laughs> and also the other story about a friend of mine who's now a priest. She didn't grow up a Christian. And one day she decided to go to church. And so this older lady in the church saw her. She didn't know what to do. So she sat with her. She handed her a book. She showed her all the pages all the way through guided her through, helped her, supported her, did the same the following time she arrived. And actually, that lady's witness helped someone's journey of discipleship right to the point of them being ordained. What an incredible welcome, what an incredible gift. What an incredible thing all of us should be trying to do. Because evangelism or evangelisation is not just for clergy, but for all of us. But we think, what could I do? I think that for myself, to be fair. What difference could I make? I'm not educated or whatever else. What could I do? St Andrew, one of my churches in Cornwall, as curate was at St Andrew's Tower of Death. So Andrew was a fisherman, we hear, with his brother. He heard about Jesus from John the Baptist. He recognised he was a Messiah. And so he told his brother brought his brother along to see for himself and then they follow we hear throughout the gospels andrew was present in key moments of the gospel with jesus and then he went out he preached the gospel he founded churches he was martyred one of the big things though he brought his brother along simon and Jesus responds, oh, thanks for bringing your brother. By the way, your brother, Simon, you're now Cephas. You're now the rock on whom I'm going to build my church. Andrew, thank you very much. But actually, it's a guy you brought along with you that I'm interested in. <laughs> thanks for that. An important role, but not the prominent role. It's almost like John the Baptist, actually, isn't it? I'm not the one you're looking for. He's coming after me. Why did Andrew invite his brother along? It might be, well, this was really important. I want to share this with you. On the other hand, it could have been, I'm not sure about going along on my own. Oh, I don't know what they're going to be like. I need some moral support. Simon, will you come with me so I don't feel really uncomfortable like a fish out of water? Good analogy for a fisherman, really, isn't it? <laughs> Why did he bring him? Oh, we don't know. But actually, he did. They went together. Not on their own, and that's something for us in our faith journeys, really, isn't it? And then Simon and Peter became more prominent. How did Andrew feel? Was he frustrated, upset, jealous about how popular his brother was? We don't know. On the other hand, Andrew was definitely called by God and equipped. As we are sometimes. Despite our feelings of I can't do it, I'm too young or too old, I'm too loud or too quiet, too stupid or too smart, depending on the context. Take your pick. It can't be me. I've got all these different reasons why I can't do it. 
I can't do it. Oh, actually, that's correct, to be fair, isn't it? I can't do it because it's not in my strength. It's not in your strength. It's not in the apostles' strength. They can't do it because of just who they are. We hear in 1 Corinthians, the epistle today, that we are not lacking in spiritual gifts. We are strengthened. We are enriched. We are equipped. Not because we've got all this beforehand, but because we are blessed, we are called, we are equipped by Jesus. We're equipped by the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I don't believe I can do it. We say, but we can. You can. Because God is faithful. And so we have that calling to go out. That calling to tell people, that calling to invite them in, to come in with them, to be with them. Did you notice Jesus asked a question? He was asked, where are you staying? His response, not, I'm going to give you an answer. But he replied simply, come and see. Doesn't give the answer doesn't give everything explained, tidied up, clear. Instead, he invites them to come, to see, to experience, to find out, to learn for themselves. Maybe that's something for us to invite people in rather than trying to just explain it all to them because, let's be fair, we like answers, don't we? If we're watching a TV programme or a film, we want to know what happened, who done it. Likewise, in a book, we want to know the end. We want it all to be tidy and clean and clear. We want it all to be explained away. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Come and see. Come and experience. Not have it all lectured to. Not have it all explained to the nth degree so there's no ambiguity or misunderstanding. No. Experience. Explore, discover. Bring people in. Come with them. Be with them. Invite them. Come and see. Experience this epiphany for yourself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.